Welcome to Newsworthy with Norisworthy. Get ready for some awesome. All right, friends, welcome back to the show. We've got another podcast that we recorded uh, a couple weeks ago back in Malibu, California. Two of my best friends, Josh Ross, Jonathan Stormont. Uh, it was a lot of fun, and I think you're going to be able to tell that on the uh, podcast. But before we get to talking about that book, let me tell you about sponsor for this month. It's our friends up in the Pacific Northwest, the Seattle School of Theology and Psychology which began around a kitchen table where a gathering of a few passionate dreamers dared to imagine a new kind of theological, psychological, and cultural training. Since 1997, the Seattle School has been committed to training therapists, pastors, artists, leaders, and social entrepreneurs to be competent in the study of tech, soul, and culture in order to serve God and neighbor through transforming relationships. They offer graduate degrees in divinity, counseling, psychology, and theology and culture, and professional development certificates for new parish leaders and lay counselors. You can learn more about the Seattle School of Theology and Psychology at theseattleschool.edu. The link is also on our Facebook page, Newsworthy Norsworthy, over on Facebook, and it's also on our website, lukenorsworthy.com. For more information about them, click one of those sites, check them out. I think you're going to enjoy them. Now, to the book at hand, Bringing Heaven to Earth. It's a book by two of my good friends, Josh Ross, Jonathan Storman. And so what we're going to do, we're going to give away two copies of this new book because that's what we like to do here. We like to give you free stuff. And so the way we're going to do this one is I want you to find a picture Maybe you just go take a picture of some place where you see heaven coming to earth, where you see resurrection bubbling up, where you see new creation happening and old creation falling away. Some place where you see resurrection taking place, not just in the future and not just something that happened 2,000 years ago, but resurrection happening right here and now. And so we want a picture of that maybe somewhere in your community something that your church is connected to, maybe something in your family, something at the school you're connected with, some place where you see new creation bubbling up, resurrection taking place, heaven coming to earth. And the way we want you to post that on Twitter, which is where the competition is going to go down, is go to your Twitter machine, throw that picture up there, and throw the hashtag bringing heaven. That's what we want, bringing heaven with the picture. And we're going to uh, select two of those, and we're going to send you a free book. And so you have until May, let's say May 20th. So that gives you almost uh, five or six days. So over the next five days or so, find a place where you see heaven bubbling up and heaven coming to earth. Take a picture, hashtag it, bringing heaven, post it on Twitter. We'll seek it out. We'll find it. And we're going to pick two of you to win copy of this new book. Now, I'm going to encourage you, you might want to um, be friends of the show on Facebook so that we can send you a message and uh, get your address as to where you want this new book sent to you if you win. So you should probably check out our Facebook page. And um, I think you should also get ready to enjoy an awesome podcast. You're going to love these gentlemen. They're just cuddly, friendly guys that you just want to listen to talk about Jesus. And that's what's going to happen right now. Welcome back to the show, friends. Get ready for some awesome. That, that you know who it is. Today, I am honored to have uh, two of the best and brightest 
young preachers in the tradition I'm a part of, the Churches of Christ, with me today. We have my good friend Joshua Lewis Ross and myself. And then uh, the, uh, the, the, we have a third person in the room. It's Jonathan Stormont. So we're excited to have you here too, Jonathan. So you introduced, <laughs> you introduced the two. <laughs> what? You said um, two of the best preachers in the tradition, <laughs> and you were <laughs> including us. What? It's just a descriptive. You, you got to use the microphone. You were saying that you... Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, I <laughs> see what you did there. It was, it, was, it was clever. Hey, while we're on this kick, I have an idea for somebody, uh, like some... Who else could sponsor your show? Your show? You you have an idea for who could yeah, sponsor the show? I do. Really, yeah. Jonathan Storm? Who do you think uh, should sponsor the news? I don't know. I was thinking Ross. Maybe you could come up with ideas too. But stuff like this. This episode of Newsworthy with Norsworthy was brought to you by Mirrors. Mirrors, <laughs> like the Justin Timberlake song? No, like because Josh is from Memphis, just like actual, JT. I can make that happen. Thank you. Mirror. I, that seems like a, a, a weird. Just sponsor. playing off the kind of vanity that you're just. Doing earlier. I don't introducing yourself. I don't. I I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know. What you're, I think every episode is brought to us by mirrors in one way or another. No, no, that's not true at all. Josh, I'm sorry that you have to deal with banter. I don't even know what to say right now. Man. There's there's nothing. <laughs> but it's great to be here. Yes, I'm excited. In Malibu, California. Where are we? We're in Malibu today. At Pepperdine University. Exactly. Mm-hmm. The last time you were on the show was here, so it's like a year since right. you've been on, and that's way too long. Yeah, way too long, but we're excited to have you back on. We're glad to be here, man. Yes, yes, this is um, very special. I'm glad you're here. Um, now, obviously, uh, the reason uh, I want to talk to you guys is because you have a new book that is. This is already out. Just officially came out. Yeah, it is called came out yesterday. Bringing heaven to earth, which is a, a great title, and you guys wrote it together. So I'm, I'm interested. First of all, like Josh, you decided to write this book. Um, with with Jonathan, um, were there any other people that maybe you had known longer? Uh, maybe people that you went to school with? I don't know. Maybe the person that you had uh, sitting right next to you in your very first college Bible class. Uh, did you think about maybe asking anyone like that instead to write with you? Uh, you know, it crossed my mind. But I thought, you know, if I'm going to co-write a book with someone. Uh-huh. Uh, I need to get my feet wet first with what this would feel like. Like a, pr- like a pregame. Yeah, so down the road, oh, okay. I have a couple of ideas of some things we could do together. Okay. That, what, what would those be? Oh, would... uh, you know, um, theology and working out. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Luke and I spend a lot of time in the gym. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we, we scratch me from that one. <laughs> we, we spent time in the ER together. Yes. We did, didn't we? And Luke, that is still a story I tell quite often, man. Which, 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 because there, you took me, I think, twice to medical facilities. Now I did. I forgot about the, the second, second one. The second one. Well, the story of the second one is you have this great phobia of, of vomit. I don't know people who love vomit. I feel like everyone has a disdain for, for vomit, but you have this actual phobia of vomit. And so I was getting an MRI. Isn't it actually like throwing up, not just vomit? Or is it... Is it actually- I, I pretty much anything... Anything about the whole experience? I don't feel like it's making you uncomfortable just now. <laughs> no, nah, you know I'm not one of these people that if you throw up, I throw up. It's gotcha. just I despise you for a really long time. <laughs> okay, 
let's move on. I don't think we want to go into the specifics <laughs> of no one likes it. The point is, I had an MRI. This uh, episode is brought to you by Pepsi. Stop AC. it. Stop it. And I, I came out, and I had the, uh, the nurse who was running the MRI um, come out, like bring a trash can and hand it to you and said, he's very nauseous right yeah. now. And you were like, oh, my goodness. Oh my. But, man, I was, I was in the moment. You were. I was going to, uh, you know. Oh, the, f- the first story you – the fourth story you're going to tell also involves me having some nausea, right? Yeah, so do you want me to tell the story real tell quick? Yeah, we, I don't... Uh, okay. And, and then, I mean, I know we need to talk about our book because that's why we're here. <laughs> we need you to help us sell copies because yeah, we're trying to get rich off it. No. Yeah, exactly. Because, no, I mean, Storm and I really did have a good experience writing this. But We'll right. get to it. We'll get so, to it. So we're in, in seminary together. It was one of the week-long and intensive courses. So Monday through Friday, 8 to 5, Luke and I are sitting on the third row. Mm-hmm. And the first afternoon on a Monday after after school, we went to the gym. Yeah, yeah. Form of therapy. We're working out, preparing for our theology of working out book, which we're going yes. to write. So we're throwing some weights around, and then Luke has this idea. No, no, no. no. I'm going to interrupt you. <clears throat> it was the strength training coach. Okay, the strength training coach has an idea. Uh, there are the like some bands that come down on a on a rack, and you can. You know, put your hands in it. And basically, it's Blast air. straps is what they're called. Okay. That's basically, it's air push-ups. Your feet are on the wall, and you're you know, doing these push-ups in the air. Well, Luke did those and, and, and thought, man, I, I need some more weight. I need to make this a little harder. So this dude hangs a 75-pound dumbbell around his neck oh and does some push-ups in the air and when he got off he like grabbed his neck like oh man surprising that made my neck something just doesn't feel right well you know he went to sleep that night we show up at class the next day on tuesday afternoon he sneezes in class and when he (laughs) sneezed half of his face went numb so he looked at me and he's like hey boss you know a lot of people call me boss and not because i'm bossy it just rhymes josh boss ross all right so he said, boss, half my face just went numb. <laughs> so Luke leaves. And an hour later, I get a call on my cell phone. I need you to take me to the, to the emergency room. Something didn't write. So I, <laughs> I pull up to Luke's house, and this guy walks out holding a trash can. And I'm thinking, this dude, you know, this trash can does not, it's not because it matches his outfit. Like, this dude, he could throw up in my car. Have you ever had those moments, Stormit, when... Uh, you know, you're laboring before the Lord. You're like, God, you know, if you keep him from doing this, I'll never, I'll give half of what I have to the poor. You know? <laughs> so he made it to the ER. He did throw up, but not until he got into the ER while I was parking. So we go into a back room. Luke's wife, Lindsay, worked was a nurse in this hospital. So I called her. So Lindsay comes down. The doctor comes in. The doctor says, what happened? Luke, like, tries to throw around some story. You know, I, who knows? <laughs> and Lindsay, like, gives, like, one of these snaps. Like, no, no here's, what my, here's what I heard my husband did. <laughs> so I tell the doctor what Luke had done, you know, doing these push-ups. And the doctor looked at him and said, and you're getting your master's degree? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I hear people who hear you tell that story and they're like, oh, I heard the story. And I'm like, I know which story it is because you tell a story all the time. <laughs> and I'm glad that my misery could bring you joy. Tell me that would not make a great story in a book. Talking about community in the body. That's the, that, whenever I use that story, mm-hmm. I usually say something like, you know, the doctor told you that there are certain things your body was not created to well, do. Yeah, and that, holding the 75-pound dumbbell off your neck is yeah. not one of them. Well, the, and there are certain things the body of Christ wasn't meant to do either. Like, tell me that wouldn't preach, right? You know what? I'm glad the fact that my neck is still sore on occasion, like a decade later, but at least you have a really good story out of it. Wait, that's not real, is it? Like your neck still doesn't hurt from that? Yes, it, it really does. Huh. There are certain movements I cannot do 
like going over my head with weight. I, I don't do it because my neck gets sore. My, my left arm will go numb during the day. Are but you kidding? I'm, yes. I slipped a disc in my neck. and Yeah. So um, that happened, which is a natural transition to the book because you also tell a story in the book about the church that I invited you to preach at when I was in college, but you didn't even say my name. <laughs> Neither of you. You just, you just have a friend of mine, and you go to his church, and you don't even say it's a very <laughs> newsworthy church. You just said a, a guy, and I'm like, boss, come on, dude. You're breaking Man, my heart. I, and this, know, is, this is what... what in the second edition, I will see if we can yes. insert that. Because one of the reasons we left off a few names is because we would have had to like go through the process of getting you to sign off on oh, it. And we mean, didn't know if you would sign off on that's true. the story. You know, one of the things I wouldn't have signed off on, I think, honestly, probably is this partnership. Because one of the things you don't know about John is that we, we used to work together. And we were on staff at the same church for you know eight or nine months or so That's right. before the the church I went to be part of to plant, and you went to to West Texas. But there's there's things that I started to notice, which I don't think you ever noticed, Josh. And um, I, I guess the best thing is you just like kind of ask some questions because I like I have some fears that maybe Jonathan's just I don't want to say this, but I think he's trying to be you. I think I think he's just trying to imitate and, and be you. So like for example. Um, have you both lived in Dallas-Fort Worth? Yes. Sure. yes. Yeah. Who lived there first? Jo- uh, Josh. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, who's, have you both lived in, in Abilene, Texas? Yes. Who lived there first? Josh. Uh, did you both date a girl named Wesley Mann? <laughs> nope. No. What, what was the, what was no, the name? I'm going to go let you sit on this one for a little bit. What, what, did you both date a girl named Leslie? Yes, yes, we did. The same girl. Her name is not Leslie Mann. What is it? Oh, that's the actress, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. What was Leslie? Leslie, Leslie Moss. Oh, Moss. Okay, yeah. who who dated her first? Oh, gosh. <laughs> Josh. Yeah. And who you have you both worked at the Highland Church of Christ? Y- yes. Who worked there first? You you were on staff, right? Yeah, I was on staff a couple of years. I rest my case. I feel like you just need to be careful because you wrote a book together now, and I wonder. I have really started to love Memphis, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm wanting to live there as well. Uh, okay, let's let's actually talk about the book now. Um, so you guys decided to write a book together. Yes, heaven on heaven on. What's the title again? Bringing heaven to earth. Yeah, Bring- nailed it, man. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how you have this job. Like, doing, aren't you? Thank you. Bringing bringing heaven to earth. You don't have to wait for eternity to live the good news. Yeah. All right, so. Tell me, like, the first conversation where you guys decide, hey, I've got an idea. Who, who had the, the idea first to make the first phone call to say, let's talk oh. about this book? Yeah, I mean, I, I called you up, right? Uh-huh. Yeah, I mean, Storm and I, I mean, all three of us, we're buddies. We talk, you know, talk quite often. Uh-huh. And uh, it happened, both of our churches went through the process of uh, our visions, the, the vision of the Highland church where Jonathan preaches and the Sycamore View Church where I am in Memphis, both of our churches went through a process of just immersing ourselves in the restoration of God. And if we believe in, you know, the restoration of all things, uh, what does this do to shape, you know, our, our churches, our theology, our resources, how we engage our cities? And I, and I think when both of our churches started this, I don't know if we knew the journey we were on with both churches, even though we were in, you know, I mean, we, we saw each other quite a bit. So, both of us had preached on this with our churches. Um, it was familiar language with who we are. And I think we began to see some videos we were creating for both of our churches. And yeah. I think it was the fall of, man, two or three years ago. I just called you up one afternoon. It was like, look, dude, we've 
We've been on this journey. Both of our cities have taught us so much about the kingdom of God, about Jesus, about restoration. We've preached a lot of this stuff. Do you think we have a story to tell? And if so, would you be interested even in, you know, just brainstorming the possibility of writing yeah. a book together on it and kind of flow from there? Yeah. We, yeah, the, I think it was for me watching one of your, watching one of your videos, um, about what y'all were doing because we had just done the, I mean it was exactly at the same time and neither one of us knew that our churches were doing what we were doing with the, with the, trying to reach into the city and doing it for the reasons of, of the restoration of all things or what God's future was going to look like um, and like you said we hang out all the time so it, it was definitely there's something God is doing in these two very different cities and different churches and um and you knew how to write a book i mean you had just written a book i had never written a book and um that that first phone call that was the first time i, I think i'd ever thought about writing a book besides one that i had always thought about writing on the book of acts no and that was all you ross we we talked about this um uh, we were in Nashville for something. I don't remember why, but we were some, for some reason in Nashville. And you said something to me about one of your hopes of this book, which uh, I, I can't forget it. You talked about, okay, I hope this book, you know, I hope people read it and it's good. And, and uh, you really believe in the message. But another thing that you really care is that you hope in some way that this helps connect some new listeners to your first book that you wrote, because it, Scarred Face was the first book that you wrote, and what you were saying by that is that that book helps keep your sister alive. And right. You said right. the the book is about you know uh, you were thirty one at the time when you wrote Scarred Faith. Wasn't that part of like the stories like a thirty one year old putting together? The yeah, pieces? I started writing it when I was thirty. It was released when I was thirty one. Yeah, so you were a thirty thirty one year old guy putting the pieces together of a sister who passed away way too early from a tragic illness and you know your hope from part of this book is that people can hear that story and it helps keep her alive and i thought that's that's just beautiful yeah i mean man i don't even with even with this book i mean i i, I really feel that god has us in a place where we don't need this to like feed our ego or feed our wallets and it's the same with scarred faith but like you said man uh any way to keep the story of jenny alive uh is a uh, man i, I want to do it yeah but, and and as you're as you're writing a book about bringing heaven to earth, uh, obviously you've experienced tragedy. You've gone through tough times, uh, and I would say I've had some tough things, but n not to the comparison of you know losing uh, a sister at such a young age. And so, as someone who's gone through such adversity like that, and you're talking uh, writing a book about heaven, it seems like the natural impulse would be, well, that gives you hope going through adversity, which is uh, part of it. But it seems like the book you're talking about here is. Uh, I think like you're talking about bringing heaven to earth now, and it's not just there's hope at the end, but there's something right here and right now. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, for me, heaven is a place where God makes all things right. And that's, it is a future hope, but it's not just a future hope. There are glimpses of that that fall into today. And, you know, I, as we pray the prayer, Jesus taught us to pray for God's kingdom to come here on earth as it is in heaven. Yeah. It's not just a prayer we pray with our lips. It's a prayer we dive into with our lives. Yeah, I love the the. Is it Sarah Groves? The song that you and I have talked about before, and <clears throat> and you you reference a song about um, how it makes a spin on when the saints come marching in. That that old yeah, song dude. that so many people have sung. Yeah. But she sings it. No, no, no. We're bringing the kingdom in, and like we're and so that's like this picture of 
this. It, it, in some ways, it sounds like what you guys have done is taken some of right, N.T. Wright, friend of the show, N.T. Wright, <laughs> his stuff about uh, new heavens, new earth, and you've fleshed it out as pastors who are living, living that idea out in, in West Texas and in Memphis, Tennessee. That's what we were trying to do. I mean, surprised by for me, I've read Surprised by Hope seven times, and, and I'm not. <laughs> That's talking, a lot of times. I, I love. Have you read it? Yes. Okay. Yes. The I loved that book so much, and I mean that book kept me in church ten years ago. How so? Just because of what you know. There's a there's a sense that I started to get when I was probably twenty three, twenty four, and part of it was just in the air of our our age demographic. You know, church sucks. We hate church, and you know those are those are all my peers, people that and people sometimes that had Bible degrees, um, that they become disenchanted with church, and those are the people I was ministering with, and and those are my friends, and you know I was on a mission team that fell apart because um, a part of our group started or stopped believing period just became disenchanted mm-hmm. good people but came disenchanted and i was definitely being tempted that way myself and then i read um, surprised by hope and i just found myself realizing there's a reason people have believed this for thousands of years and it's not what i thought it was hmm. um, okay break that down for me w- what did you think it was what do you think it is um i i think the the thing that most people think the gospel is in in like the most shallow ways not most people like they all think like this but um if you're to describe the gospel as god loves you god sent jesus jesus died for you um if you believe in jesus you can go to heaven to be with jesus after you die all of that's true um that is not that's like um you know and romeo loves juliet and juliet loves romeo like that's the talking points for a really big beautiful story and the thing that surprised by hope started, and and this is the this is the thing, N.T. Wright is not coming up with anything new. When he does surprised by hope, all he's doing is sweeping away all of the kind of you know rapture theology, the the basic ways that in the last two hundred years we've tried to strip the gospel of the demands it makes on our lives mm-hmm. and what it's called, what discipleship looks like, but also the really beautiful thing that is the gospel. Like, yeah, it asks you to die. It asks you not to orient your life around death in all its forms. Um, it asks you to work for beauty and justice and truth and peace. And that's really hard work. But this is about the restoration of all things, which means there is not. This is what the gospel means. What God did for Jesus, he's going to do for every single molecule of the world, of the universe, hmm. of his creation. Like the resurrection is a first fruits. Um, it's not just do you do you believe Jesus rose from the dead and then if you did you get to go to some disembodied heaven in the future. No, no. When God raised Jesus from the dead, He's saying He's going to raise Jenny. He's going to raise. I mean, He's going to. Every sad thing comes untrue, and everything that's broken is somehow stronger and re- restored and, and repaired and stronger for being broken and healed. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's. It's weird because I've I've read some of the comments people have made on blog posts you guys have written about this subject, and it seems like they think, well, one, you're heretics, uh, which well, let's not get in that. Um, so we don't have that much time. But two, they think you don't believe 
quote unquote in heaven anymore. Like you're you're doing this new age stuff, and it's not. Is that a fair take? I mean, have you gotten that pushback on the book? Uh, yeah, I mean, and from that that one article in particular, you know, we we were called humanists. Um, you know, people who didn't care about the bigger story of God. We were only concerned about the planet. Mm-hmm. Uh, things like that. Why do you think they could take that out of your message? What do you think could cause them to to take that? Because that's obviously not what you guys believe. I, I mean, my, my impression is that it's exactly the reason we wrote the book. Like, one of the things that we say in the beginning of the book is if, and we got this from friend of the show, Joshua Ryan Butler, Skeletons in God's Closet. Yeah, you started right off with that. Um, yeah, the if if you search NIV for heaven and hell, zero results. If you search it for heaven and earth, 200. And um, I, I think part of the reason that people make those kind of comments is because it is really easy the last 200 years to buy into basically a deistic gospel. Deism, you know, God is somewhere else, created the world, started up mm-hmm. like a watch and let it start ticking and and you stepped away yeah and and so basically people who say no because jesus is this we're going to care for x y and z the poor the environment whatever it is Mm -hmm. and people see you saying we're going to do that and they just assume like well then you're not caring about the deist god who's sitting over there you know i I, I yeah it seems like there's a duality that people have it's either you care about getting to heaven when you die or you care about the kingdom of heaven right now. And so they create these you know, false dichotomies in which it's either or. And it's like y- you can believe in the restoration of all things at the end, but you can also see the significance of the saints coming marching in right now and like the kingdom of, of doing that right here and now. You, you have a great line from um, Madeline Murray O'Hare, and she was asked by the Supreme Court in the 60s to define what an atheist is. And it talks about, you know, someone who builds churches and someone who, who cares about deeds Wait, being done. an atheist? Builds churches? The quote, would you like me to read the actual quote? What does it say? It's your book. <laughs> you have the copy in front of you. We did not memorize the book. I memorized that line. An atheist believes that a, here it is, actual quote. An atheist believes that a hospital should be built instead of a church. Okay, An atheist believes that deed must be done instead of prayer said. An atheist strives for involvement in life and not escape into death. But what you guys would say, and I, I think... In, you're, you're making such a valid argument. You bring in Rene Girard stuff about how the marginalized have a voice now because of Christianity. But, like, the church cares about all those things. Like, that's really what heaven is about right now, that it's not just something that happens at the end, but it's something we're doing right now. So, okay, so if we're trying to move past that, and it's not like this dichotomy, it's either or. Do you think part of that is, the like you mentioned earlier, like the rapture, like rapture theology? You talk about a little bit in the book about that Can some in some ways can be... Uh, the ideology that causes bad practice. Would you agree? Yeah. Can you can you t- explain a little bit why that is? Jonathan, would you like to take that one? Yeah. Um, so, and, and by the way, I have friends who believe in the rapture. That's and and it's important. We're not making this an issue of fellowship, but it is one of mission. Um, the wait. What do you mean it's not an issue of fellowship? Like, I, I don't want to be. Uh, Witch hunter or, you know, somebody who says I'm I, – I do have – If you believe in the rapture, you can still be Jonathan's friend. Yeah, and, and brother or sister. Yeah, and people who work for the good of the kingdom in right. the city of Abilene to, right. you know, eradicate homelessness. That's right. Right? Yeah. Yeah, well said. Um, okay, so if you can still be brothers with them, why is it important to talk about it? 
Um, because I think there's a lot of people in our churches who's a 23-year-old version of me. And who there is, there is a thing that seems like it puts a lot of weight on something. But I'd like to say, well, the word rapture is not in the New Testament at all. Um, the idea comes from First Thessalonians, and we, we deal with that pretty extensively in the book. But it's, it's actually a much more compelling, beautiful story mm-hmm. than, um, than the idea that Jesus is just going to take everything away and, and basically light the, the world that he created and said was good on mm-hmm. fire. Um, although the, those words about the earth, new heavens and new earth, the earth will be burned up, we deal with those words as well. Mm-hmm. And this isn't, you know, the interesting thing about this book, I think, is it is not a book that is primarily theological in the sense of, like, there, the book's, N.T. Wright's written Surprised by Hope. This is not Surprised by Hope. This is what it looks like for two churches that care about their city and care about the gospel. Try, this is what it looks like when, when we are surprised by hope on hmm. a local church level. Hmm. That's good. And so you say that the, the real R word in the New Testament isn't rapture, but it's, but it's resurrection. So, like, how do we make that transition? What, is it, what does it mean to live out of resurrection instead of rapture? Man, I, I love the truth. And, man, I, I don't know. I can't remember if I read this from someone or Jonathan got it from you. But just the fact that, man, in the end, God is not going to let Satan win anything. No. You know, that even what, what evil was able to do in Genesis 3, uh, you know, God began working something new in that moment. And... And in the end, the enemy and his friends aren't going to be able to win anything, even the world. You know, mm. God's going God's gonna to turn back no. you know, every form of injustice. And I, I mean, I think, you know, Revelation, I, you know, and that's the book a lot of people use to, to try to come up with the afterlife and what's the date and time. And I mean, if Jesus even said, you know, I don't know when the yeah. end will be, you know, we spend a lot of time trying to do that. But in Go look at Revelation of how many times resurrection is talked about. And I think for people who were receiving revelation in a time where there was a lot of persecution and oppression was everywhere, it was a word of hope to them that right now you were being pressed and squeezed. But, hmm. I mean, God's going to make things right. Yeah. And so, so both you guys are living this out in, in local contexts. Jonathan in, in Abilene, Texas, West Texas, small town. You know, Josh, you've been in Memphis for six, seven Seven years Seven at years. the end of this month. Okay, and so you're you're Memphis, Memphis, like the downtown. What is the actual borough of Memphis? Or uh, we live in the Binghamton community. Okay, so you're living in an area of you're part of Memphis, which there is a great deal of poverty. There's a great deal of crime. What does it mean, like for you in Memphis, living out resurrection? Yeah, living out resurrection and restoration. I mean, I mean in the, such a in such a heart, like an area where there seems to be the antithesis of resurrection. It seems like there's just suffering and adversity. Yeah. Well, um, the definition we're working off of at Sycamore View with restoration is it, it's a return to life. Mm-hmm. Which uh, I mean, I love. Did you come that. up with that? Because if not, I would pretend like I, I did. Dude, I, I, I don't. I may have looked in the dictionary or something. I can't remember, man. But we'll I thought, edit I mean, this. that sounds. We're going to edit and just say you came up with it. Yeah, that's awesome. I came up with it. Uh, but, you know, what we work off of is um, that God wants to restore hearts. Discipleship is serious. Spiritual formation is serious. I mean, we want to take these, you know, it's as important as we feel justice is. We're not taking an emphasis off of the individual. 
that there are choices we make. To, what do you mean by that? Well, I mean, there, at some point you do make decisions, enter into a covenant with Jesus. I mean, there's something in your heart. I mean, there, you know, uh, we need to be developed. We need to be formed. We also care about the restoration of relationships. So whether that's marriages, parents or kids, especially in a town like Memphis, bringing together rich and poor, white mm. and black, uh, we believe in reconciliation. But what we also believe is that the gospel has something to say about all of the boarded up buildings in our city and mm. in our neighborhood. Uh, in my neighborhood, um, I mean, within, uh, within two blocks, I can show you almost 10 homes that are boarded up. So we can drive by that and we can think, oh, man, that's blight. That's depression. You know, or we can drive by and say, what could this be? Mm-hmm. What is the, how, how would the gospel want us to reimagine this property? You know, is it job creation? Is it tearing down a home that may not be able to be fixed again and a community garden moves in? Is it a home that we can rehab? And if so, who gets to move in here? And, and how can that help even bring this neighborhood to life? Mm-hmm. That, man, when the resurrection is in its full effect, and restoration takes place. The whole community begins to experience life. Yeah, yeah. So. I love that you said the word imagination because I think that's that's so central to to what resurrection does. It gives like the I, I, idea that something other than what you see can happen. Like yeah. resurrection and its first experience that we have in the story of Christianity in Jesus, like the beginning of the first fruit. Like that was not in someone's imagination. Like that, we didn't imagine that to happen. But it opens up all these opportunities that it can happen right here and right now. What do you think for you, Jonathan? It is to to help inspire people to have the imagination that resurrection can happen right now. You mean like preaching at Highland, or you just go whatever you want with that question? Um, well, I have been really blessed by getting to enter into churches where that's all where that's already happening. Um, so, Ross, you said. The other day, you, you were talking about how our names are on the front cover of this book, but really it's our churches that Absolutely, have done this. man. Our churches in our cities, yeah. Yeah. I mean, Highland taught me to care about this. The Hills before that, um, you know, has a— The Sunday you preached to my church? Yeah. <laughs> like four years ago? Did that help, too? You, your spiritual gift is turning the conversation back. <laughs> I feel like as an interview, like, I'm just giving you opportunities to talk. I don't, I don't see what you're doing here, I mean, you're so funny, man. <laughs> the so you're part of churches that are doing this already. Yeah, and and so I feel like part of part of this, we got really blessed in we're we're naming kind of realities that were existing already. Mm-hmm. Some of it was new to us, and some of it we're we're hoping would pass on to other churches. But I can tell you this: I think resurrection is really good news, and it's good news for people who don't believe in it too. Really? How so? Because we think of resurrection just for those who believe. Right, but for for thousands of years, like you were saying with the Rene Girard stuff that we bring into, for thousands of years, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't just Christian poor people who were helped. Mm -hmm. It was, it was poor people being helped by Christians because of the resurrection. I mean, the the gospel is good news for people who don't believe it because we. This is the story that blesses those people who um, need it most regardless of what they believe. Um, so, and, that's cause, and that's something that everyone can celebrate. And so you talk about yeah, – yeah, Let me uh, – do you know how people who build prisons and they build rooms in prisons, do you know how they determine how many rooms to build? Uh-uh. They look to see how many kids fail third grade. Huh. What? And then they build rooms in prisons based on that. Okay, That's crazy. so they're thinking in the future. 
How many are we going to need? And the measuring stick is how many kids this year failed third grade. Oh, my goodness. Okay, so what does this mean for the church? Because some people don't think, <clears throat> like, you know, this is the education. Is this a gospel issue? The kids can read. Uh, and yeah. if your answer is no, then your community is going to look a certain way when you fast forward, you know, 10, 15 years. But if it's yes, then what does this mean of how we move from our churches into family systems, into hallways of schools, mm -hmm. you know, to see how this resurrection, wow. how resurrection power and restoration is coming to life around us and the role we play in that. Yeah. Oh, that's crazy. That's, that's, that is, is mind blowing, but you're, you're right. I mean, it gives you the imagination to see teaching a third grader to read how central it is for resurrection. You're bringing new life into something that many people believe is destined to go into suffering and terrible uh, situations. Oh, that's interesting. You tell uh, a story, Ross, about uh, going to uh, some guy named Eddie's house and Eddie's at the end of his life. Did you tell that story, Jonathan? Yeah. Well, it sounded so good. I thought it was did, Joss. Did, did you like the story? <laughs> As, no, it was oh, okay. Yeah, <laughs> no, it was so good. I thought Josh told it, but it was. Uh, <laughs> you, you tell the story, Jonathan, and the guy clearly doesn't want you there, and you end up there, and and uh, which, as a, a pastor, like it seems like we all like everyone's been there for your pastor. Like you go somewhere because someone's sister wants you there, and they don't want you there, and you don't want to be there, and just like, hey, let's get through this together. I got a job to do here, but you you say at the end that like it's it's the story of the, the prodigal son. And you say that within the gospel, the gospel within the gospel, it's really the, that that basic story. Yeah. How so? Um, yeah. I'm, well, first off, the story about being there, we got the sister called called us, and um, the wife did not want us there. And was that you specifically? Like she didn't like you, no, or just the, like the idea of a preacher? She did. She didn't like not being the one who called. And so it was it surprisingly has nothing to do with you. Surprisingly, surprisingly, yes. I know there's plenty of people with vitriol and hatred um towards Jonathan Stormont. Yes. Jonathan at jonathanstormont.com. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for directing all those people. I was just saying like if you did like yeah. that's an opportunity to do this. Um thing. but no we go we go to this house and um the the wife because basically what what we were told was that this person was like a pagan heathen that needed to get yeah. saved real quick and the wife was like we're not pagan heathens and you we got our own preacher and the sister is literally whispering in my ear they don't have a preacher she's lying <laughs> and, and then there they, there was weeping the children were we it, it's a it's a it was an intense moment so how did you get how did you get to the story of the prodigal son out of that well i mean what would you say in a moment like that if you get like basically one bible story to tell somebody who's dying and is terrified about god um, yeah, I mean, the prodigal son has to be one of the best options out there. And I think, I think the, I think the prodigal son is the gospel according to Jesus. You mm. know, because he is the father running for the son coming home. Yeah. Um, and and all the different variations. You know, he's the father who comes out to the older religious brothers with their arms crossed and upset that the father's just too good. Mm -hmm. And um, it just seemed like in that moment. With you got people on, people who are begging for this guy to get saved, and somebody on the out, you know, some people that were a little bit self righteous, mm -hmm. um, older brother ish. Yeah, yeah. Um, it just seemed like the right story to tell, and, and one that I think Christian subculture needs to pay attention to again. Yeah, hmm. 
Ah, uh, that's good. Well, the book "Bringing Heaven to Earth" it is out now. I highly recommend it. And uh, gentlemen, I appreciate you taking the time. Thanks for coming back on the podcast, guys. Thanks for having us. Do you have anything else you want to say? You're looking at me like you have something to say. No. No. You feel we good? got a lot more to say, man. We we could talk more about it, but we thank you yes. for having us. Yeah, that's all we can fit right now. That's cool. Yeah. Hey, it's been fun, and uh, bringing heaven to earth. It's a good book. Thanks, guys. Thanks. Appreciate it, dude. Thanks for checking out Newsworthy with Norsworthy. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. You are now adjourned. <laughs>